0: And we have some kind of uh, specific imposter syndrome related with that specific piece of code that we wrote. And this person's um, this person has, has left this comment and your uh, unconscious relational processes have caused you to feel very defensive. But you don't notice this. Normally you don't mm-hmm. notice this. You just respond to it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And if we're using mindfulness, we have the opportunity to go, oh, I don't feel very good about that, that thing that that person said. Is this really personal? Did they really mean to insult me or offend me? Um, where does this come from in me? Oh, it's, it's my thing. Or, oh, no, it's them. <laughs> then we have the opportunity to choose how to interact with that person.
2: Hello, and welcome to the PyBytes podcast, where we talk about Python, career, and mindset. We're your hosts. I'm Julian Sequera,
1: And I am Bob Beldobos. If you're looking to improve your Python, your career, and learn the mindset for success, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back, everybody, to the PyBytes podcast. This is Bob Beldobos, <laughs> and I'm here with... I'm... Julian,
2: and because this is YouTube, you should be able to see our guest by now. So we're very excited to have Andrew McLeod with us today. Andrew, how's it going?
0: Good thanks. Pretty good. Nice. Good. Welcome to the good. show. Thanks.
2: Now, now, Andrew, we want you to introduce yourself to the audience. So, first of all, everyone, welcome back. Um, this episode is being recorded on the twenty-fifth of November. So that is, I believe that's Thanksgiving in the States and a bunch of other holidays and observances so whatever it is you're celebrating we hope you all had a wonderful time off and were able to relax and unwind and code at the same time so um but with all that said andrew welcome to the podcast we're super excited to have you here uh would you like to introduce yourself to the audience
0: sure thanks very much for the intro so you've got my name andrew (laughs) mcleod i'm originally from new zealand and i left and went and lived in london like a lot of us do Uh, But I started working in in tech uh, at about 99, 2000, and I've been working in tech since then. I've done uh, development, systems, engineering, platform, all the different ways of talking about DevOps and system admin and all that kind of thing. And and, uh, around about the same time, or probably earlier than that, I was quite interested in exploring altered states of mind, altered states Mm. of consciousness, perhaps you could say. And that led on to being very interested in meditation, Eastern philosophies, that kind of thing. And uh, those two things kind of came together. Um, So uh, from uh, around about 2018, 2019, I tried to bring or I decided that it would be um, fulfilling to for me to bring uh, my mindfulness experience and my tech career together in some way. And that's the journey that I've been on since then through the pandemic.
1: Interesting. So tech background, and then you kind of pivot into mindfulness um, and applying that to the tech industry. And uh, I think you also mentioned it uh, in in the context of humanizing tech, right? So I wanted to know like, yeah, what made you pivot into that? And, and why is it important? What, what trends did you see? And what is the humanization aspect that that's really needed these days?
0: Sure. So I, you know, my experience, my experience, my personal experience was that, um, perhaps my, my social skills weren't, um, highly honed for many different reasons. Um, And I definitely undervalued, say, um, the emotional aspects of being a human being. I was much more focused on logic, um, thinking about how to live, I guess, is one way to put it. And um, the the meditation helped me with that over time, become aware of uh, underlying emotions and their importance. And then I, at, at around about 2018, I looked back and I looked at the, the tech industry and I could see that a lot of us who are building the interfaces that people are using to connect with each other now are in the same space, are in the same place. Um, perhaps not being fully connected with themselves um, emotionally. Uh, socially perhaps if i can say that Mm -hmm. and uh then when we all started working remotely i saw that that was amplifying the problem Mm. Um, people who were sort of being forced to go into an office and have uh relationships with people and and socialize cooperate etc were having that taken away and so I, i you know i at that point thought well there's a need for this here
2: Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, by the way, just for everyone, another mindset episode. I'm just going to throw that in here as well. Um, <laughs> we have a competition, Andrew, <laughs> about the tech versus mindset episodes of the podcast. Uh, yeah. So far, mindset. So, yeah. so that's about to change. Yeah. Very very happy. No, so look, this is this is awesome, and if you. If you don't mind sharing this and, you know, as with every episode, we have a tiny bit of prep. So there are some notes here that we have to to ask you about, Andrew. But um, just based on what you said, I just want to dig into that for a quick second. What sort of things did you notice and see with people going from, you know, the people who are forced, as you said, people who are forced into the office, they they get that forced sort of social interaction and um, and all of that experience. But when they were allowed or forced to be at home where they don't necessarily get that or they can very easily avoid that, what sort of things did you notice and did you see?
0: So I, I've got two examples pop up into my head Um uh, one was just a LinkedIn post, was one of these click, uh, link bait, click bait LinkedIn posts <laughs> um, where it was like, click the like button if you want to work fully from home, you know, uh, from the hybrid or fully from the office. And you can guess what the, the general response was. Yeah. But there was a guy that had posted some, he was quite aware of this and he talked exactly about this. He said, you know, it's, I'm not very good at making friends. Now I've lost all of those easy opportunities to connect with people. And uh and so working from home has been really difficult for me and I'm very depressed. And he wrote mm. this on in a LinkedIn post. And I thought, well, that's really, that's really vulnerable and quite, you know, deep. Um and another example that pops into my head was a uh the last company that I was consulting at, one of the last. Um And I joined a, it was a tech uh, uh, peer programming call. And I joined this call and I said, how are you? And the other person said, good, thanks. And started talking straight about the the coding. And I said, no, 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 I really am genuinely interested to know how you are. And uh, they talked to me then for about 45 minutes about their boiler, about how they were scared of their new neighbors, how they didn't know anyone in the new area that they'd moved to because of the pandemic. They didn't have any friends. And it just I could feel this, you know, this real need to connect with me. And I could see that a real lack of connection with the other people in the team. I mean, I experienced it myself. And then I saw it there. Oh. So Those are two recent examples.
2: That that hits home. That hit mm. hits home for me because I actually don't like it when I ask someone how they're going and they just say, yeah, good. And I'm like, that's it? I actually asked you because I care and I, wanted, I want the answer. I, I, I'm giving you a minute or two of my time to tell me, yeah, I've had a tough week or this has been the best week I've had in three weeks, you know, so, I, yeah, I definitely empathize with that. So, those are, yeah, good points, good call-outs.
1: Yeah, and it tends to get so technical and therefore also a bit cold, right? For example, with code reviewing, it's all about the code. And um, you mentioned interfaces, but we have to remember, right? We're all humans. Uh, they're all humans writing the code and consuming the code in some form. Um, and we talk about the code, but there's always a human behind. And sometimes that's, yeah, easy to forget. So I think it's it's really important. So maybe, yeah, to dive a bit deeper than how mindfulness actually humanizes.
0: Right. Well, let's be clear that it doesn't always do that. So if you are um, following some instructions on the internet about how to be mindful, and you might be very good at placing your attention exactly where you want it and holding it there. Um but uh, and and that might uh, align with certain definitions of what mindfulness is so what I, what i see is is one of the most important uh, uses of mindfulness is to become aware of different sources of information in your organism you could say um and so uh, the examples were what we were talking about before with people being very logical typically their attention is very much placed up in the head, where their thoughts are, where those logical processes are. But we also have other information coming through to us, like, for example, how our stomach feels when we're nervous or excited, Mm. how our chest feels when we're anxious. Um, And when we use our mindfulness tool set to place our attention in those places, we can become aware of this extra information. And we can make more informed decisions from that extra information. So uh, I think um, that that helps us to be aware of how we feel. And that's a pretty fundamental part of emotional intelligence and, and what it means to be human. Uh, mm. Being aware of how we feel about our needs and therefore being aware about how other people feel when we're communicating with them.
2: Yeah, there's that whole aspect of, you know, paying attention to your body, not ignoring the signs. So there's the mindfulness, right? So knowing and uh, trusting it as well. And then, yeah, I like that. That also broadens into being able to see the signs in other people. You know, how do they react? If you can see someone starting to be anxious they're tightening up their breathing is shortened. they're you know you can see it you can almost feel it radiating off them that's your chance to jump in because everyone's not going to not everyone's going to say it you know uh yeah this is this is really cool i'm i'm just really getting me thinking Mm. Uh, a lot of it is uh,
1: empathy right
0: yeah right no no I Um, i think there's there's a small exercise uh called mindful communication where uh, you set a timer for a minute. You have a, a small group, two or three people. The one minute one person is speaking, they're only allowed to talk about what's going on right now. So how they feel, sensory inputs. You can talk about what your what thoughts are in your head, but not going along with the stories about them. Um, and the other people have to just listen. They can acknowledge what, what you've said, but no fixing, no helping, no suggestions. Just paying attention to what you're saying not thinking about what you're going to say when it's your turn and just listening to how you feel and uh, when you do this exercise it can feel very uncomfortable
1: mm. for the
0: person speaking but you as a listener you do notice how you feel and how they feel and it's really a it doesn't require any thinking it's just this just happens
1: yeah Wow. It's almost like another level or dimension, yeah.
2: That sounds cool. And yeah. it, it forces you to, like as the speaker, it, it like forces you to be in the moment. Like right now it would force me to stop thinking about tomorrow's activities and what's happening next week and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, well, right now it's, I'm hot. I wish I had the fan on. Uh, my, my feet are hurting from standing up. <laughs> And <laughs> so exactly. I'm thirsty. I wish I had a chocolate bar. No um, so no, I, I love it. I think that's really cool. Uh, now one thing just to to segue into the the thing that you really that really sparked my interest when we spoke earlier, uh, was you were talking about how people tend to use mindfulness to fix problems. Right. And that, that to me, I'd never heard it written or or spoken that way before. So do you want to share with everyone listening what you, what you meant by that?
0: I'd love to. So I think uh, most people have some kind of, they have their own understanding of what mindfulness means. It's probably connected to the word meditation, Mm. which is reasonable. Um. And a lot of people then connect it to, I know, uh, philosophical ideas and um, enlightenment, maybe, there's a dangerous word. <laughs> uh, and then whatever your idea is of what that is. And I think quite often people think, you know, there's, just, there's a lot of mystery around this. I don't think there should be, but there's a lot of mystery around it. And so that mystery, that, that kind of information void allows people to uh, grow their own ideas about what might happen there. And so mindfulness, meditation, etc, can uh, often seem like a magic bullet to fix problems. I I think that's, that's how that's what I'm thinking. How how does it sound for both of you?
2: You mean that that mindfulness can be used like that? Yeah. Oh, totally. You know, you The whole thought of, okay, you're going through stress, you've got a problem, you've got something happening, something that's that's bothering you, right? And that the act of sitting there, being mindful of the situation just solves the problem, you know, that if you sit there and meditate. So I I link mindfulness with meditation, right? Because to for me to be able to be mindful of a situation around me, whatever's going on, I kind of do need to meditate in a way of like, taking time out, setting away, intentionally being in that moment, right? Um, but, yeah, the one thing that I, I always struggled to continue it, that exercise of doing that, was that when I was done, that moment of meditation or mindfulness session, the – I'll say problems in, in uh, quotes here – but the problems that I had leading into that session – are still there. I may not, I may have slowed my breathing, the anxiety. Maybe I felt before that about a big day, a meeting, a presentation, going live on Facebook, those things might melt away, but the act of having to go live on Facebook still there, the act of having to do that presentation still coming up and those feelings can come back. Right. So I just sort of went, okay, maybe I'll just use the exercise of to calm myself down in the moment. And that's it. That's my takeaway
0: right so uh, yeah and and so this is this is the way that a lot of people think about it and uh it's a a nice example is if you're if you're meditating or practicing mindfulness and you notice you are hungry you notice Mm. a sensation in your stomach which is often related for a desire to eat and you well then the best thing is probably to eat something i mean (laughs) ideally um it happens. I, I teach. I teach meditation online, and quite often people will say, oh, "I didn't realise how tired I was. What do I do? Uh, I have a sleep,
2: <laughs> go to <a> bed,
0: <laughs> have a nap." I mean, this is this is you know part of what mindfulness is: is noticing what's going on, so that you have the information to act correctly, or you know, yeah. So if there's a quote about um, people never make the wrong choice they just don't have enough information to make the right choice Mm. that's not the quote (laughs) it's something like that um so you the more you know when you're practicing mindfulness and you have more information about how you feel you can choose to act accordingly Mm. um so and to, to to continue with the question i think there are a lot of as Uh, corporations start to integrate their mind, try to integrate mindfulness into their wellness programs. A lot of those corporations are trying to use that mindfulness to get people to be more uh, comfortable, more happy with um, dissatisfactory working conditions, you could say. So I'm not, I'm super stressed at this job at this huge tech company. That's okay, go and breathe in the corner for 10 minutes. (laughs) Right. Well, and then maybe you're breathing in the corner and you're like, well, I'm still stressed. Why isn't this working? Yeah. Well, maybe you're you're now you're just aware of the stress even more, and there you have more information to take action. So is this
1: awareness kind of half of the battle then?
0: Definitely. I mean, we we don't part of the Part of the reason we need mindfulness is because people don't place their awareness where there is discomfort. So our our habit and our training is, I don't like this feeling. I'm going to ignore it by engaging in other activities. I'm not happy. So I'm going to get drunk.
1: Comfort zone, right? Yeah. It's like we, we, when we try to move outside of our comfort zone you always you're always pulled back into it right because outside of the comfort zone it's it's scary it's uncertain yeah yeah mm. yeah so
2: okay so i've got a question for you and, and i might be putting you on the spot here so forgive me i'm going to ask it anyway <laughs> um for, for the people listening right now They might be sitting here on the fence going, well, okay, on the fence with mindfulness going, well, well, what then? What do I do? How do I do it? How does – does mindfulness even have a place in my day-to-day? How can it benefit me? And you've you've talked about it making you aware of the things happening with your body, of how you actually feel and and what's going on. Um, But how does that help them? And in the example of like, I'm hungry or I'm tired, like that, that's pretty obvious, right? But when it comes to, you know, working with people, uh, re- relating with your, your teammates, with uh, working as part of a team, uh, you know, being a more emotionally intelligent person, uh, whatever, how does it help with those things? And um, if you have any tips for people as well, I'd, l- I'd love to hear it too.
0: So a nice, simple question. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I asked the easy ones. So I the one the first thing that popped into my head was uh this idea that there's always pain in life. It's unavoidable. Sorry for the bad
2: news.
0: <laughs> right? You can't avoid that pain. Uh but then what we often do is we resist the pain. So I don't know if you've had a cramp in your leg recently, but if you try and resist this cramp then it really hurts and if you can be like okay and you can let it kind of happen then normally it just tenses up and lets go very quickly so that's a great example of what that's actually that's mindfulness in action you've Mm. noticed the pain and importantly you're allowing whatever's going on to happen you're allowing that process to to happen giving it space to occur and it does its thing and and it goes away But if you don't allow these, if you're not aware of certain processes, then what often happens is your habitual response to pain, which is to try and stop it, to run away from it. Um, And so uh, let's say, for example, you type like this. So my shoulders are up. If you're listening, you can't see my shoulders. My shoulders are (laughs) up by my ears and my shoulders are very tense. now. Right now I'm very aware of that so I can make the choice to relax my shoulders. But if that's a habit, then I'm going to have a lot of shoulder pain, a lot of tension in my shoulders. That's probably going to run up my neck. It might give me headaches. Mm -hmm. might give me jaw tension. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of things that can follow on from that that muscular tension by becoming aware of it. Like, and it's painful, right? So you have to become aware of the pain. And then you have to let it be there, and uh, then you have the option to try and allow it to be there and let it go. And so, when we're working with other people, there's a uh, psychologist, and I'll try and remember his name later. There's <laughs> a popular book at the moment, which I also can't remember the name of, but I can, I can think, I can let you know what it is later. Uh, And there's a quote which is, all problems are relational. All human problems are relational. Mm. And so when we're working with a team of people, all sorts of uh, relational habits, perspectives, modes are triggered within us um, from our family, from our early school life, and we are, most often, not aware of these processes. So we go into a situation where we're interacting with other people, say as a developer, and we've written some code, and someone reads the uh, read. Someone reads our PR, and they come back to us, and they tell us it's not good for some reason. Mm. And we have some kind of uh, specific imposter syndrome related with that specific piece of code that we wrote, because it connects to uses a particular library. You have no idea how the library works. You copy and pasted something from Stack Overflow. <laughs> you're not you're not sure what's going on. And this person's um, this person has, has left this comment and your uh, unconscious relational processes have caused you to feel very defensive. But you don't notice this. Normally, you don't notice this. You just respond to it. Mm -hmm. And if we're using mindfulness, we have the opportunity to go, oh, I don't feel very good about that, that thing that that person said. Is this really personal? Did they really mean to insult me or offend me um where does this come from in me oh is my thing or oh no it's them <laughs> then we have the opportunity to choose how to interact with that person and and if we don't if we're not aware of that perhaps our response to that person is unfriendly mm. and that obviously impacts team performance etc you can see how that might might cause problems
1: yep yeah. interesting it's it's like having this deeper layer of interpretation right powerful
2: It it reminds me you know that same concept from the seven habits of highly effective people you know that talks about we always have a choice in how we respond right and and that's what makes us unique you know we have a choice we can choose not to act on our uh animalistic responses fight or flight that sort of thing you know, we, we have that ability for cognitive thought. So I guess if you, if, if someone was to come to you and ask for your support on this and your help and your coaching and everything, um, what's something that people listening right now could sort of try and keep in mind, and it might be completely obvious by the way, it doesn't have to be some zany, take this potion and you'll be good for the rest of your life, but rather, um, what's someone, something that someone could take away from this right now to go to have a better conversation today? Uh, You know, well, most people are on holidays and whatever, but when they get back to work, you know, with a mountain of emails, there might be some stress with meetings coming up after just being on holiday for four days. Uh, you know, people might be on on edge, tired at the end of the year. What's something they could do now to sort of remind themselves to be present in that moment to be mindful as and choose that reaction and choose to think about the situation before they shoot off a cranky email or something like that
0: <laughs> <laughs> So we we can set up trigger points to remind us to be present. so we can say uh, when I sit down in my work chair, specifically my work chair, yeah. then I'll remember to breathe twice mindfully just twice. This doesn't have to be sitting for an hour, just breathe twice Mm. and being aware of even one breath is enough, but why not do two Mm
2: -hmm.
0: even being aware of those two breaths consciously is enough to bring you into your body Mm -hmm. and bring your attention into your body as opposed to where it might be. It might be in a concept. It might be in an idea about what's going to happen in 20 minutes, which is the meeting with, someone about the work you haven't done yet. So you're starting to be stressed about it, but that's where the mind might be. We want to bring the mind back in here
2: Mm. for a
0: moment. Notice how we feel. And we might feel really sick. I don't know, maybe we feel sick. And if we know we feel that way, then it's not going to influence our uh, reactions to things. We have an opportunity to choose our response.
2: Mm.
0: So that that's one example. Um, We might have a post-it note that says "Be present." We might have an apple. uh, We might have a some kind of device with a non-specific brand that tells us to (laughs) (laughs) breathe. Might have a little alarm. Hey,
2: if if Apple wants to sponsor us, man, by
0: all (laughs) means. People use Pomodoro timers, so that could be a that could be a thing. You could have a little mindfulness reminder there. Um, In uh, certain traditions where they teach mindfulness, they teach you to be mindful in all postures. So you've got the formal sitting meditation. Mm -hmm. You sit on your cushion and that becomes a trigger when you're sitting on your cushion or your meditation bench or whatever to become present. Uh, They also teach walking meditation meditation. They teach lying meditation, where you fall asleep, probably. They teach eating meditation, so you become more mindful when you start eating. So all of these can be trigger points. Uh, but for someone who doesn't do any of this, that's going to sound pretty overwhelming. So it's, good, it's a good idea to just pick one thing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That could be brushing your teeth, for example. Uh, people often say, brush your teeth with your other hand, because it's more difficult. You have to be mindful then.
1: Mm.
0: Interesting. Uh, Type with your hands crossed over. No, that sounds (laughs) rude. Uh, so there are lots of trigger points, but only needs to be one or two breaths to, Mm. to, for you to become present and, uh, switch into, into present mode rather than having the default mode network. Control what yeah. you're doing. That's triggers. cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole essence of uh, building
1: habits. Okay. Yeah. It's all habit building with triggers. Okay. Yeah. It's, maybe it, no
0: I, Sorry. gone. Go on. Now go. On. I, I will point out it can be very difficult. Mm. And a lot of people get discouraged when they start trying to do this because the first thing you notice is how uncomfortable you are. It could be. There's normally a period of being very calm oh, this this is great. And then you start noticing what's going on and you're like, I don't like this. Why am I Mm -hmm. doing this thing? This isn't meditation. This isn't making me feel calm, but that's just noticing what's going on. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you don't want to make it a habit. There's a struggle. And it's also, we're fighting against billions of years worth of evolution here. We have this default mode network that I mentioned in the brain, that's there to uh, help us stay alive and mm. procreate and use the minimal amount of energy possible. So yeah, it's a struggle against that. It's not. Yeah. It's not necessarily easy. It's simple, but it's mm. not necessarily easy.
1: Billion of billions of years of wiring, right? That's why we like billions. eat chocolate a lot, right? To stay alive and get our calories. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah. I did want to ask, like, uh, so I love this trigger aspect um super valuable uh, habit building like in the context of a code review and being more empathic towards others maybe newer developers or is there a trigger or a tip that you have because you wrote um one or two articles on mindfulness and code reviews right which we're going to link below for sure yeah so maybe something from that uh, you want to share with our audience, how how we can be more mindful in code reviews.
0: So I, in the article, I didn't write anything about specific triggers. So that's an interesting question. Hmm. Uh, if you had the buy-in from your your the company or team, perhaps you could put a custom background image up there on your source control that says, remember to... Stop for a second. So, some kind of image. Uh, But you, I mean, you want to, you want to. One of the most important things is probably to notice when you're in a rush. Hmm. Hmm. So, if you're in a rush, that's when you're you're going to be doing things just like, no, yeah, that's crap. No, I don't want that. Uh, That's terrible. Who did that? (laughs) What are they doing? And you might not even notice. Uh, how how that might affect someone? You're not thinking about it. You're just trying to get the code through the door, right? You, it passed all the tests. It's a one line change. It's fine, but the something's wrong with it. Something that doesn't really matter. You, you respond quickly. You're not thinking about it, and the other person has been working there for two weeks, and they think, oh, that that's not very nice. Am I not? I really am not that good, etc. Yeah. So when you notice you're in a rush. That can be a, a great time to think. Uh, see, there's something difficult here. I think the way I think of rushing is you're trying to move faster than you can. Hmm. So it doesn't mean you have to slow down. It means you have to go at the fastest speed possible. Is that? Does that
1: yeah, yeah. Sense? No, that, that's great oh, advice. I, <laughs> because I think people are generally overwhelmed these days. And when you're rushed, yeah, then you come can come off as harsh and maybe you need to then that's that awareness again to go back like well maybe there's an underlying issue like maybe I'm giving too much work um and then you know you need to fix that underlying problem right
0: You, you need to well can you fix it is it possible at the job you're in what what can be done about it can you talk to someone about it but yeah definitely if you're rushing, that means you're and trying to move faster than you can. That means there's something pushing you to move faster than you can. So looking at that, looking at those reasons.
1: Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this is awesome. This
2: is yeah. great. Um I, I think people are going to want to learn more about this, Andrew. And uh so we'll get to that in a minute. But before we we wrap up the episode and talk about where people can find you, um and here's a tip. If you picked up, Andrew's got a Kiwi kiwi accent. So he sounds like a bit better than me. Um, so, Andrew, we always talk about books when we wrap it up. So what book are you reading at the moment? Or what have you recently read?
0: So a book I recently read was uh, Chief Joy Officer by Richard Sheridan. Well, that sounds Do good. you know this book? No. Nope. No. No. Uh, It's not really, he's not talking about mindfulness, but it's in there. A lot of what he's talking about is how do you connect with people at work? How do you create an environment where people want to connect? How do you deal with things like once people come back into the office in a hybrid situation, for example, how do you deal with everyone wanting to wear headphones? Hmm. So it seems so simple, but it it makes a big impact on how people work with each other. So that that I really enjoyed that book.
1: That's um, by Richard Sheridan. Richard Sheridan. Sheridan. All right. Yeah, we'll add that to our books list. Yeah, I see it
2: now. That looks cool. I definitely oh, want cool. to read that. Nice one. All right. And maybe Bob, additionally
1: w- one or two favorite resources um, okay. on mindfulness, and of course, where can people find you and and learn more about what you do.
0: So if you, uh, if you look up John Kabat-Zinn, he, he brought mindfulness to the West <laughs> Yep. in the sixties, he was the guy that started the MBSR uh, movement, mindfulness-based stress reduction. So this is a course that's taught. First, it was taught at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Uh, Now the same course is taught all around the world at hospitals. It has all of the uh, religious aspects removed. Uh, It's an eight week course. You can do it online for free or paid and you get a certificate. So any books that talk about this course or books by John Kabat-Zinn are a great place to start with mindfulness. Mm -hmm. They're very science-based, you could say. He references a lot of studies good quality studies.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He doesn't talk about crystals or incense, etc.
2: <laughs>
0: so that's right. a good place to start. Uh, there's another book based on an essay called Mick Mindfulness. So you can mm-hmm. find the essay, I, I can't remember the publication, but you Google it, it's right there, McMindfulness, Mindfulness. And you can just you get a general idea from the essay that the author is suggesting that often mindfulness is introduced into organizations to just fix problems with the organization and help the person that's doing the mindfulness, get the problems that are there. So he's very critical of mindfulness, corporate mindfulness, you might call it. Mm. So I think that book's a nice counterbalance provides information on what, what, how things can be done poorly. Nice. Cool. Very useful like the, to have those resources
2: i definitely and, uh, sorry
0: a, that, uh, zen mind beginner's mind zen, zen mind beginner's mind, mind is, a, is a very old it's not that old it's a it's zen book it's a place where a lot of people start in their meditation journey can be very dry so if you find that don't try and read <laughs> if you don't if it doesn't if it doesn't chime with you then then give up and find something else. There's a lot of resources out there that will align with people, different ways of perceiving and experiencing things.
2: Yeah, I think that that's a good point. I, I don't think there's one right way of doing this. You know, it, it's what resonates with you the most, what works. So, yeah.
0: That's cool. I'll, I'll mention, memo. yeah, go for sorry. it. Sorry. Sorry. I'll mention one, one uh, another author, meditation teacher, Jack Cornfield. Mm hmm. Uh, he has many books. And Lama Surya Das, another Tibetan, he's a Tibetan Buddhist teacher. They both have many books. They're Western. They're written for for Westerners, so they're quite accessible.
2: We're going to need a year of mindfulness to read this stuff. <laughs>
1: there's, the, there's the complete uh, curriculum here. <laughs> nice, nice.
2: Yeah, that's cool. I, actually, you know what you should do on your blog, if you haven't done it already, put this whole list together of where to start? I think that'd be awesome. Um,
0: and talking about blog, where, where can people find you? So people can find me. You could find me on Instagram at andrewmccloud.es. Yes, I don't. That's Spain. That's <laughs> nice. Spain. And you can find me on LinkedIn. Those are probably cool. the two best places at the moment. I also have a website, es. Awesome. Nice.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll link uh, all those three. Websites, links below and, and, uh, kudos on the .es. Pipe it .es. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> Spain wins. Yes. So Andrew, you gotta tell everyone
2: where are you right now?
0: Where am I right now? I'm in San Sebastian. Nice. I think it has the highest density of Michelin star restaurants in the world. Ah,
2: oh, here we
1: go. I, th-
0: I think I'm not sure <laughs> the, food, the foods, the foods are right. Yeah. It's not bad.
1: Yeah, that, that, that part of Spain, the food is really the best, I think. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's Spain, a beautiful yeah, it's place. It's amazing.
0: Yeah. yeah, it is. It's amazing. And we uh, Great hiking around here as well. So you can go for a hike before or after you eat way too much. <laughs> <laughs> and normally you reside in uh, Barcelona, right? That's right. Yeah, normally I'm, normally I'm in Barcelona.
2: All right. That's cool. Yeah, you've got to share the story of how you ended up there from uh, New Zealand one time. <laughs> Andrew that that was spectacular I've really really enjoyed this chat though it's been really enlightening and uh while well, Bob ran off to go and get his doorbell just now like I was saying it's um I would love to just catch up have a few beers and just chat about this stuff it's totally cool it's the stuff I like to nerd out on so I really enjoy it um but look as as we go one obviously thank you from from us for being here but is there anything you want to just any parting words for everyone before we drop?
0: I, uh, good luck in your practice if you choose to take it up. It, it really can be transformative. Seven minutes a day, for seven days. Try that. See what nice. happens. Small bites. Yep. I like that. Nice.
1: Pie and, bites. And nice entry level. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nice.
2: <laughs> All right, Andrew. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate your time. Uh, this is, been very, I'm going to use the the word, the dangerous word. It's been very enlightening for me. Um, <laughs> I've been hanging on to that for like 20 minutes. Uh, so so I thoroughly enjoyed the chat. Um, Bob, anything from you?
1: No, super insightful. I don't think it's often talked about um, in a developer space. So really happy and uh, grateful that you shared it here today. And uh, yeah, if people are taking up that challenge because we're always about challenges uh seven days seven minutes If you have any feedback then uh, they can reach out to you via the mentioned links and you're also in our slack community so um they can also hit hit you up there so that would be a great
0: place to to connect with me in in hmm. slack and thank you both very much for giving me the space to express myself it's been it's been fun
1: yeah awesome thanks so much
2: Thanks, Andrew. Thanks everyone for tuning in and we'll be back next week. All
1: right. next week I'm yes. going to wave because we're at YouTube. Woohoo! Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Bye YouTube. Bye. <laughs> Thanks Andrew. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode. To hear more from us, go to pybite.es slash friends, that is pybite.es friends, and receive a free gift just for being a friend of the show.
2: And to join our thriving Slack community of Python programmers, go to pybytes slash community. That's pybit.es forward slash community. We hope to see you there and catch you in the next episode.